and welcome to the Undercut Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Billington. We're back to preview this weekend's Brazilian Grand Prix. Joining me as ever, I have the cafezinho to my brigadiero, Ellie Mae Taylor. How are you? Good, thank you. I don't think too much has happened since... I mean, we're recording this on a Wednesday. We last... We recorded the uh, review on a Monday. Yeah. I don't think much has happened other than the fact that my pumpkins look a bit sad. And that's not a euphemism, that's the pumpkins. <laughs> yeah, great. Now I've got to record this entire podcast thinking about Ellie Mae's pumpkins, and you can clip that <laughs> if you want to. But <laughs> um, yeah. How are you? Not too bad. Um, putting your pumpkins out of mind, I really could go for a cafezinho right now because I sort of Googled it before we went live, and it's a really so it's basically like a Brazilian flat white, but it's done with sh- uh, sugar in there as well, so it's quite sweet. And I'm like, ooh, I could go for one of those, especially the brigadieros. They are, they're like the Brazilian fudge balls. Made them on an old series of Formula Food, if you remember me from when I used to be the staff writer at Food Tribe. Um, yeah, they're great fun to make and enjoy, um, especially because you will just simply eat an entire plate of them and then realize you've eaten like your body weight in fudge. But Hey, that's, that's all the fun of the fair, all the fun of the carnival, rather, um, because, of course, we're in Brazil for the Brazilian Grand Prix. Uh, I think it's still called the Sao Paulo Grand Prix, technically, isn't it? I think so, yes. Because it sort of shifted its name a couple of times as it sort of bumbled around Brazil, a bit like Mexico is now actually the Mexico City Grand Prix. Um, this is the, the Sao Paulo Grand Prix. So we'll take, a, we'll take a running jump at the news, which we've had come out since Monday, and there's been... A fair amount, most of it, feeder series-wise, and we kick off with Arvid Lindblad, who has joined Formula 3. He is a Red Bull junior driver, and he completes Prema's lineup for 2024. He'll be racing alongside Dino Beganovic and Gabrielli Mini. Uh, he finished fifth in the F4 UAE uh, sort of stages, third in the Italian F4 championship, and fourth in Euro F4. So he's not a bad pedalsmith, by all accounts, and it'll be interesting to see how he performs in the very competitive team of Prema against two very talented drivers, especially Beganovic and Mini, going into their second seasons in Formula 3. So it's it's a big ask there. I know you don't tend to follow the feeder series, but have you got anything you want to sort of chirps in with this one, Ellie May? Um, no, I'll just... Almost the same sort of sentiments that you have said, really. I know sort of when doing the graphics for feeder series, obviously I've looked up who's sort of getting the podiums and sort of looked into F3 that way a bit. And they always kind of seemed like two quite common names that came up. So he's got kind of stiff competition in that, in that team to go up against. Yeah, certainly within his team and I think within the Formula 3 field as it builds and fills out, we'll wait and see how it develops. But we've got a new name that is moving away from Formula 3 and into Formula 2 for 2024, Zach O'Sullivan. The Williams Academy driver joins ART Grand Prix in Formula 2 after a brace of seasons in Formula 3, where he's taken four victories and secured second in the Drivers' Championship in the last season alone. So not bad, really. Um, the Of all the Prema drivers this year in Formula 3, he took the most wins, beating out Dino Beganovic and Paul Aron. So 
not doing too badly there either. And again, another mention for Dino Boganovic, a very talented driver in his own right. O'Sullivan will be driving for Williams in Abu Dhabi in FP1 in place of Albon. Sargent filled out one of the requirements when he first joined F1, so it has come to Alex to make way for the rookie. But in other Williams Jr. news, uh, Franco Colapinto will be in Abu Dhabi too, but for the post-Grand Prix Young Drivers Test. The 2023 F3 Vice Champion will take part in the Young Driver Tests for Williams at Yas Marina following the season finale. Colapinto will be stepping up to F2 in the final round of the F2 season with MP Motorsport, though it's unclear which driver he'll be replacing at the season's final round. It's likely to be Jehan de Ruvula, who's off to Formula E for next season. Meanwhile, Jehan's teammate this year, so to speak, um, Dennis Hauger, is staying with MP Motorsport in Formula 2 for 2024. The 20-year-old Danish driver is currently 8th in the standings this year and has one round left. He's ahead of Vashor at the moment, but tied on points with him, though a good weekend in Abu Dhabi could see him jump Enzo Fittipaldi. So it's all kicking off, really, in Formula 2 and Formula 3 at the moment. We've got some interesting and big names moving around, and Williams is a team to be sort of proud to be there's junior drivers for at the moment as well they've had a good turn of form in this season so and um if they're offering a chance to drive in an fp1 session it's certainly going to be good especially at abu dhabi a, a circuit with some pretty high speeds where i should think this year's williams could be pretty nifty but quickly looping back to williams it is of course a huge congratulations to james vowels and his partner rachel who have had a baby daughter um literally announced today so congratulations to them I don't know if it's their first child. I sort of assume it is. He seems young uh, enough for this to be his first. Well, I was trying to think of his age, but then I was like, that doesn't really... Necessarily that... define it. No. James Vowles. Uh, born 1979, so he's 44. Uh... Nope, doesn't, his Wikipedia page doesn't particularly detail his uh, personal life. So... Tricky to tell. Um, but he is, of course, I've just noticed, only the third ever team principal for Williams, which is quite impressive. Yes. Which is, yeah. What was um, Jos Capito? Was he managing director no, or something? Jos Capito was team principal. Um, but oh, because um, Claire Williams was never was team, principal. team principal. She was always yeah. vice team principal yeah. alongside Frank. Yeah, they always kept him in that spot. So, uh, yeah. Well done to James and his wife, Rachel. That's nice. Um, in some other gossipy style news, Lando Norris Fiat 500 Jolly has sold at auction for £32,000. So if you think that buying a cap or a hoodie for F1 merch is expensive, just bear that in mind. We've sort of been covering the plot line of this car since we spotted it was coming out to auction and the hammer has now fallen digitally. And the car has sold a relatively decent price for especially this, especially for an evocation. But of course, it's got Lando Norris's history attached to it. And uh, with Pirelli Cinturato CN72s costing £522 a piece, should his Lamborghini Viura need reshoeing, Lando now at least has the funds to cover it. Uh, fun fact, actually, I learned only this week that Lewis Hamilton has an original Mini, which he uses for kicking about in. So, um, interesting it'd be interesting to know how many of the drivers have like proper classic cars on the field that'd be quite good um and you also say it like lando wouldn't be able to afford to put new tires on his, his lamborghini, lamborghini. Uh, yeah he doesn't have to worry about it at all now i think is, is more the mindset it, it should it happen he knows he can tap his card and boom contactless payment for what would be nearly over two grand's worth of tire um 
Anyhow, uh, speaking of Lewis, or rather the Mercedes team, Mike Elliott has now left Mercedes. Uh, Mike was the Mercedes uh, chief technical officer and has now been put onto gardening leave from the team, though there isn't public knowledge of him having any contracts with other teams lined up. Elliott was promoted in 2021 towards the tail end of that season, replacing James Allison at the team and is regarded as the engineer behind the zero side pods concept that led the team down the wrong path in 2022, a path that they only now seem to be recovering from. With the 2024 season in mind, a reshuffle was again used and Allison reinstated as the full-time technical director. Mike spent some time on the sidelines in a different role and then went on to resign by his own accord. In an official press release, Mercedes and Elliott would like to stress that Mike made the choice and he leaves uh, the team on good terms with the Silver Arrows. So it's interesting. He is a very good engineer and a very good sort of technical guy. So there's going to be teams that are interested in him, but crucially, Mercedes have said that they are about to start work on next year's chassis. Like they have the ideas and the concepts put together. They know the route they're going down. Obviously, they haven't actually started producing anything yet. But the uh, the fact that they wanted to sort of wait until Mike had left before they started that, so he at least didn't leave with any important information, would be crucial. And judging by early word from James Allison, the was it going to be the W sixteen? I think they're going to be on to is a absolute weapons grade car. So uh, they're looking at something very new indeed. Any thoughts on Mike making a move from Mercedes? I mean, he's been in the business for what over twenty years. I think. I mean, it's fair enough that you know they're kind of he's kind of saying that he would like a break. I mean, he has to almost take that break forcibly anyway with any sort of gardening leave. So it'll be interesting to see where his mindset is at. So is he sort of in the view that he was planning to just, you know, take a nice break off or, and then, you know, what happens if a team do look to try and poach him and say, we would like you on board? How, you know, is he, is he going to move sort of quickly or is he just going to sort of, sort of quietly leave the sport, you know? Mm, there's a there's a big question as to sort of how people are going to move around and equally who replaces them and the impacts they have on the sport as a whole. So we'll see how that one plays out down the line. But equally, you've mentioned I I suppose with James Files being over in Williams, depending on how good their relationship was, that would be in my mind perhaps the first place that he may go. Mm. He might sort of make that move over there to a name that he recognises and uh, see what it brings. Um, Speaking, however, of Mercedes and, of course, their title sponsor, which is Patronas, um, Patronas have reportedly given the Malaysian Grand Prix organisers a boost in cash. The circuit recently spent four and a half million US dollars refurbishing the circuit, but then, of course, didn't actually have the money to buy an F1 race, because that's simply the way it works, is you buy an F1 race and you then make your money back by selling people tickets to it. Um, However, Petronas has signed a three-year name deal with the track. And in a few weeks' time, it will host the Petronas Grand Prix of Malaysia in the MotoGP series. So while this bolster of funding doesn't mean we'll see a Malaysian Grand Prix back next year, 2025 is an option and a target for the group behind the circuit. Are you looking forward to a potential Malaysia return? Yes. I would like, I'd definitely like to see it, but I'm kind of sceptical as to whether it will ever 
happen. Obviously, they lack the money to enter back into F1 at the moment, and they said they won't until sort of the economy is more stable. And affordability was obviously the main reason they left in 2017. I kind of, I don't know, maybe look at this in a sort of a pessimistic view of, I don't know whether we will ever see them come back, or maybe not in the next few years. Maybe it'll be a little bit later down the line. If they want, if they want an economy that's more stable, mm, it might do. We'll see how it pans out, but it's it's promising signs at least because, of course, Sepang, the Malaysia circuit, has always given us great races and has often given us some brilliant wet ones. We've seen all sorts of crazy field action from there, so we'll see how it pans out. But speaking of races which can get wet and wild, it is time to look ahead to the Brazilian Grand Prix. It's the final sprint weekend of 2023. Hamilton has three races to haul in Perez and needs to score at least seven points more than Checo in each race weekend from here to the end to overtake him and come second. An impressive feat of both loss and victory. It's also worth bearing in mind that we're still at altitude 800 metres above sea level, so it's still a very high aero attack circuit. And as we mentioned, or sort of predicted post-Austin, track limits are going to be an issue worth monitoring, as will the pit lane exit shenanigans we mentioned in our Mexico review. But I mentioned that it could be a wet and wild Grand Prix weekend, and that is very much the case when we look at the weather forecast. Thursday will be warm and quite overcast, with fronts settling in for an action-packed Friday, however. Um, Practice and Grand Prix qualifying are going to be run in changing conditions with rainstorms and thunder and lightning moving through the Socorro area of Sao Paulo towards the afternoon. This all clears by Saturday, which will see the sprint-associated activities take place on a green and washed track. Sunday will be warm and dry once again with cloudy spells somewhere in the region of 23 to 25 degrees Celsius. So are we looking forward to a wet qualifying? Yes and no. We've had a, obviously we've had a fair few race weekends, especially sort of earlier in the year, where it would sort of rain on the in qualifying, but obviously it was dry in the race, and it didn't. Whilst you sort of maybe had a little bit of a mixed up grid in qualifying, it never really materialised to much then in the in the race as such, from what I kind of remember. So yeah, if we had a, a soggy qualifying, it didn't really take too much to undo sort of by the sort of no, opening uh, stint of the race having said that obviously the teams are a lot more closer at the end of this season than they were at the start so whether it will be harder if it is a mixed up grid whether it will be harder to overtake and as well with the higher altitude that may pay, um, play a big factor in as well as how hard it is to you know overtake yeah, we'll, we'll see what sort of action it does produce. Fingers crossed, I say, for it to be quite interesting. We'll move from the weather forecast, though, to the battle forecast and which on-track action elements we should look out for. And it's possibly another jumbled race. Haas are now looking for a way off the bottom rung of the constructor's ladder. Magnussen, sh Magnussen showed pace here last year, and um, the more medium-speed nature of Interlagos might offer them some luck with their upgraded VF23. Alfa Romeo had good one lap pace coming into Mexico, though suffered with maintaining that through the race. 
Ideally, the cooler temperatures and less demanding nature of the track will possibly give them another chance to sniff around for some points and claw back a lead over Alpha Tauri. The Fianza outfit, having seen a strong uptick in performance in Mexico, the slightly more aero-demanding circuit of Carlos Pache might undo any perceived performance benefits. But with confidence high and both drivers seemingly now happy with setups, if a bit late in the season, it could be an interesting proving ground Bear in mind that the sort of Fiennes and Milton Keynes based uh, setup has gone well here previously. Alpine still have a lot to prove at this point in the season. Adrift in the standings, they cannot catch Aston Martin at this late stage without something miraculous happening. It's doable, but not abundantly so, and would involve constant Alpine 1-2s with fastest laps and 1-2 in the sprint with the Silverstone team scoring nothing. The second part of that statement is feasible. The first... Mm. Aston Martin really just want to end the year without too much egg on their collective face however a decent performance here is in reality the last race people will care about and Alonso might pull something out of the bag McLaren really needed a better Austin and Mexico to stand any chance of capturing Ferrari and taking third in the standings like Alpine getting Aston it's a big leap the smoother flowing nature of Brazil might offer up the Woking boys some speed though Ferrari have come a long way as a team in the latter half of this season and despite the weird rumours swirling around the paddock, uh, they can hold their heads high coming into Sao Paulo. There's a podium finish in the water for them here. Mercedes will be coming into Brazil with a high watermark. George remains their last race winner, and Lewis hasn't won anything since Saudi 2021, so both drivers have something to prove. This could be feisty. Perez, meanwhile, is just looking to not get outscored by Lewis. Which neatly brings us to our predictions. I have gone for Max Verstappen, mainly because it is such a high-speed circuit. I'm not sure anymore, actually, whether they have... Obviously, they have the fastest car with Max in it, but I don't know at the minute whether it is always actually the fastest... It's a question of whether they have the outright fastest car. Max is fast in it, but on average, if you were to average Max and Perez's time versus, say, Charles and Carlos or George and Lewis which team at that point averaged has the faster times. It's getting trickier and trickier to tell by the race weekend. Yeah, I remember, I think they were saying in Spa, sort of up riding on Rouge and all that, that they were not the fastest team up there, but they were faster in other areas of the circuit, which meant that they could stay ahead. Mm. So it is, I don't know quite where they're, performance is at the minute yeah it's it's tricky to tell and i think the performance balance in that car has shifted so significantly through the season and equally the performance of other teams around them has shifted and to a certain extent closed up to them as well i'd certainly say that ferrari mclaren and mercedes have all taken a chunk out of red bull's pace especially going to the latter part of this year where maybe they stopped developing so much because of course they were limited on wind tunnel time though that did elapse going into mexico i believe all their previous sanctions off of um cost cap and cost cap gate that all lapsed going into mexico so i think they're now free from that and can really crack on with putting some work in on the 2024 chassis so if 2023 is a sign of what they were able to do with one hand tied by in their back. Now we've completely unleashed Adrian Newey, the, the man-made wind tunnel. This really puts puts the wind up us for next season as to quite how dominant that Shakar is going to be. But I think a Max Verstappen pole round here is going to be good. But as we've seen from the past few races, it might not be a certainty. No. Which is why I think 
Timo's gone for Lewis and I've gone for the other side of the Mercedes garage. I've gone for George. I mean, they did well last year, didn't they? That was partly my thinking. I think George is coming back into this with a, a strong head and a lot to lot to make up for after a relatively unimpressive uh, Mexico where he was having to fight off an Alpha Tauri. Admittedly, the Alpha Tauri seemed a long way out of its usual pace range, but that will have put the wind up him and again, given him that sort of G up and go on, get at it. So it's a, a split Mercedes prediction with a Max Verstappen cherry on top for pole. But when it comes to the podium, we've got a very mixed bag, or at least I certainly do. Both you and Timo have gone for a Max Verstappen win. Well, if he has, of course, because he's simply just repeating the podium from the previous race. You've gone for him for the obvious reason, I suppose. I think, well, if he's in front, like I've said, in pole position, he's in pole position. I think it'll be very difficult to get past him. Um, I've then put Lando Norris in second and Lewis Hamilton in third. Um, obviously, we predict that the Mercedes will be very good around here. And Lando Norris, well, the McLaren is quite good at high speed and medium speed corners, aren't they? It's the slow speeds that they struggle with. Mm. And there's not, I think, maybe three corners where they'll have to go slow. Yeah, three significant sort of breaking zones, certainly going to turn four through that sort of middle sector. And then from there on out, it's very sort of throttle mediated, sort of getting the car back up to speed for that sort of long sweeping start finish straight. So it's it's a bit like a sort of South American brand's hatch indie circuit. It's it's all curves. And you might... saw as well with last last race, how well Lando got through the pack being at the back. So if he can qualify in a very good position, I think he'll be pretty unstoppable. Yeah, I think Max could be the only person that really stops him. And then, of course, Lewis just rounding out that podium for you. They were good around here last year. They've been really... I mean, Lewis Hamilton has been... Even if we take into account Cota has put in some very good performances these past few weekends, I think... I'm kind of hedging my bets that, like, in theory, Emma McLaren and a Mercedes at least one of them should be on that podium. Yes. Yeah. I think you're, you're right in saying that there'll be a Mercedes and a McLaren up there. I think it's possibly a question of which ones yeah. and what order, but I've, I've joined you in that theory of there being a McLaren and a Mercedes up there, but I've gone for the McLaren takes the win. I think we could see a Lando Norris win here um, purely based off of perhaps Max just doesn't have a good weekend. Um, it's going to happen at some point. And we've not really seen him have sort of a flub of a weekend. He's always sort of pulled it from the ashes, even if it's been a sort of rocky qualifying. He's really sort of turned it around. So I think we could, with the exception of Singapore, maybe. Um, but otherwise, yeah, it's it's going to be a case for me of something goes drastically wrong for the Red Bull pair. We see a Lando Norris win, a Lewis Hamilton second, and a Charles Leclerc third, because he's just constantly up there now. He's finally sort of found his feet and I think Ferrari as a team have, and Charles is really reveling in that at the moment. Do you think Ferrari will be good around the circuit? Enough for a podium against two McLarens and two Mercedes? I'm counting on there being a bit of argy-bargy somewhere in the field, maybe. It's it's a bold one, I'll give you that. It, it is a bold call from me, but we'll see how it plays out. If it, if I if I win, I win. If I don't, oh well. Um, when it comes to fastest laps, though, again, team, I'm sticking with Carlos Sainz till it happens, which is 
mm, it hasn't happened yet. I don't think it's going to. Um, I've gone for Max Verstappen. I don't think he'll be wiped out of the race, but there is going to be every chance that he's fighting his way through the field. So he could be really pushing and we could see some phenomenal lap times just cropping up on the board. Um, but you've gone for Lewis Hamilton. You think it's going to be a strong weekend for the Mercedes in general? Yes, I do. And we've seen how well Lewis likes to charge down on the last few sort of, or well, last sort of third of races. I reckon he'll be trying to charge after Lando Norris. So that sort of second step on the podium. Yeah. yeah it's reasonable. When it comes to wild predictions, though, I haven't written mine yet, actually. Um, so we'll start with yours. I've gone for another point-scoring race for Danny Rick. I like that. I like that a lot. I don't think Alcatari this season have had... Consecutive points finishing? Yeah. That is a good question, have they? Uh, they have, not necessarily with the same driver, but they have. Well, it would have been with the same driver. It was um, Sonoda, Australia and Azerbaijan. He scored um, P10 and P10. Um and America, Mexico, um back to back points finishes as well. So they have this season pulled it out the bag, but uh whether they can pull it out the bag with this successful a run is yet to be seen. Well it'll be obviously then it'll be three consecutive then actually. Yeah, so it'll still be setting a record for Alpha Tower yeah. in that regard, yeah. What have you gone for? I have gone for Alex Albon, top six finish. Just, I don't know. I want to see it happen. If I keep picking it, it might eventually happen. Opposite of the commentator's curse, I think. If I keep wishing, it might eventually happen. He might be good in the rain in qualifying and be able to stay there. A bit like what Danny Rick did. Yeah, that's very much what I'm thinking. And I'm sort of hoping that because it's not quite such a technical sort of breaky, turny circuit, he might might stand a chance in the Williams and equally he's got a, a lot to prove going through uh, Brazil he obviously missed out on a podium there a few years back when Lewis Hamilton spun him out when we saw that um, Pierre Gasly win Not no Pierre Gasly was it P2 Science P3 was it once Hamilton yeah. was demoted yeah um, so I reckon we could see Albon do something impressive here he, he's got a, a personal vendetta with the circuit and he do last year around here I can't remember P15 so he's not got a particularly high bar to cross um, he wouldn't have raced here in 21, did he? But 20, he would have raced here. Yes. But we didn't race, did, we didn't didn't race in Brazil race. in 2020, did we? No. So, yeah, he has got a lot to answer for coming into Brazil. So, yeah. fingers crossed for Albon. And meanwhile, Timo's gone for Fernando Alonso finishes in the top five. Bold? Oh, it is a bold one. It is a very bold one. Um, be nice to see it happen will we see it happen probably not no I said obviously double points finish last or both um, Fernando Alonso and Lance Stroll in the top 10 in Mexico and that did not happen no not 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 with any great sort of apparence um We've got might have some predictions from fans. I think we've only got one in this week. Checks social feeds as well to see if there's any kicking around on there. Uh, view all comments, none. Okay, so we've only got the one fan prediction, and it's Has Chap Henry again with uh, Has One Two, which you've got to give the guy some dedication for uh, 
for really going for it each time. Uh, He's manifesting. Yeah, in the same way that Iron Matt album top six, which is a neat point to wrap up this week's episode or this week's episode. This week, this the preview for the Brazilian Grand Prix episode on. Uh, we'll be back after the Brazilian Grand Prix reviewing all the action from the sprint weekend. There should be plenty to look at, hopefully. Um, in the meantime, make sure you've liked, commented and subscribed as well as got notifications turned on across all of our feeds to not miss anything. In the meantime, you can find Timo on Is It Fast, on The Curbs, the Nitro RX podcast, Paddock Sorority and Instagram. Ellie May, where can the people find you? You can find me on our Instagram account where I do the graphics or you can find me on TikTok. Um, I will also be in bed because I think as you've probably told, as you can probably tell by this podcast, I've had a long, hard day at work. She is exhausted. <laughs> and my brain is so muddled. <laughs> but anyway, where can the people find you, Jesse? The people can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok as at Jesse on Cars. And you can find me writing for Classic Car Weekly. When this episode comes out, you'll be able to pick up a copy of the latest paper, which has me pitting the Austin Allegro against the Mark II Volkswagen Golf. Um, and it's also got a preview of the London Brighton Classic Car Run, which is this weekend, or London Brighton Veteran Car Run, I should say, this weekend, which is um, set to be dry, thankfully. So we'll see how that pans out. But in the meantime, be sure to give us a follow. Make sure you've liked, commented, and subscribed. And we'll be back with some reviews on the Brazilian Grand Prix. Mm-hmm.